Welcome aboard the BK Escape Pod. That's right, it's the augmented and bionic podcast version of the live show. You can hear Saturdays from 10 a.m. till 12 p.m. Eastern on 100.3 FM and AM 1450 WBHF Radio. You can stream the show live there Saturdays at WBHFradio.org or on the free TuneIn app. Look out, here we go. Hello, Americans. This is Paul Harvey here to tell you that this is a rebroadcast. So take Paul Harvey's advice. When you hear a telephone number, please don't call. Now let's listen to the rest of the show. (laughs) Paul Harvey, good day. Stand by to receive our transmission. That are alive, you are coming with me. The force will be with you. Always. As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. You know, I'm going to start off right off the bat and just say this morning that I may need some, uh, I may need some help. I may need some help. So, uh, how about now? I'm having headphone issues over here. What's going on? Hey, it wouldn't be uh, a show on this radio station if there wasn't some technical issue somewhere. I mean, I couldn't hear you, brother. And you should know because the microphone fell and knocked you unconscious <laughs> last weekend. We tried to move the microphone while you're talking on it. It's BK on the air here on AM 1450 and 100.3 FM WBHF. I said that little disclaimer at the beginning because this is another one of those mornings where so many things happened to me this week. Uh, I got about a total of three or four hours sleep in the last 36 hours or so just because of Yikes. things that are going on. So I'm kind of what, – what's good about me is if I, if I have a cup of coffee in the morning on Saturday morning and if I get in here and know and I flip the switch, the actual act of flipping the switch sends like a really exciting electric current through my body because I know I'm on the air doing something I love to do. You get a charge out of that. So, yeah, so it helps me have a natural kind of boost. You know, I don't, I don't need the coffee, but it kind of helps boost me because uh, when you, what people don't see is when I go to a commercial break today i'm going to be, i'm going to i'm going to immediately just fall asleep like a narcoleptic person <laughs> it's radio no dose i'm gonna be like Ugh. and then right before i go back on the air i oh i perk back up and and go on with the broadcast so, do you remember no dose pills yeah i do remember no dose yeah. <laughs> don't they mention no like over the counter speed remember when shatner did his appearance on saturday night live as tj hooker oh yeah and they were having fun and uh <laughs> he's rolling on the cop car with the he, fake background yeah, don't yeah. he say don't he say uh you slept through three phillips on the car when the bad guy stopped and and uh, don't they mention somebody took a no-dose on there or something yeah. like that? I can't remember. So That yeah. was the first time you heard the expression, get a life, was on that Saturday Night right. Live, November on that, 1986. Was on and he caught a lot of crap from that from people who obviously didn't have a sense of humor. Come on. It, it was, was a writer, though. It was funny because it was true. It wasn't an ad lib. No. A writer wrote that line. But it was but it was making fun of something that had a ring of truth to it. What do we say, Alan, that, that, that comedy only works the best when there's a ring of truth to it? That's the best comedy. <laughs> that's, that's the best And you can't have comedy. satire if you don't have something that's based off of. They should tell a lot of people that. <laughs> 
nowadays? There are a whole lot of people out there who are lacking that knowledge. Because let me tell you in particular, and by the way, I don't know whether you heard because you were uh, you were you're were, you were out in the lobby there for a second. I'm I'm working on like battery power. Do you, <laughs> do you know when you get um, when when we were kids? I don't know how anybody else did it, but when we were kids, at least me, I didn't grow up with a parents parents that was had no, nothing city hands and counting money all their lives i didn't have that kind of parent we we, I, we had to work for what we had and we didn't have everything but batteries for something that you had like either a radio tape recorder something that required batteries sometimes when our batteries would about die we'd go without them for a little while until we could get some new batteries do you remember that yes okay it was an irritant as a child because i didn't understand the cost <laughs> of things and mom was like well you should have turned it off and not burned them out and I'm like, but, but or they would also go, well, you shouldn't use it as much. I'm like, well, I got to use it. It's 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 how you use it. Yeah, you turn it on and listen to a tape recorder. I tried. You got to where the batteries would get low, and you could tell. And then you got to where you tried to squeeze every little bit of power out of those batteries that you could. Now, what? I, that's what I'm trying to do today because I'm working on about three hours. Do we need sleep. to put you in the oven for about thirty seconds? Only on the brakes. <laughs> I'm okay once the mic is on. Do you remember when a cassette player would start winding down with the batteries and we would play slowly? That's right. I'm like, why do the happens of the chipmunk sound normal now? That's weird when I'm playing them. Hey, Elvin. I'm going to be probably. (laughs) Wait. What do you want, Theodore? Uh, I'm going to be about as useless today as the letter G in the word lasagna. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, just y'all got to help me a little bit here. So I'm just warning everybody up front. You try to squeeze every bit of power out of those batteries that you could get. And I did. I, I said this on the air. In no way do I condone doing this. But when my batteries would get low, I would take them and heat them up like, like either, either, either in the oven or on a wall. We used to have those little wall, electric wall heaters built into the wall where they had the, the, the red things would light up the coils. I just set them on top. I wouldn't leave them there long, just enough to get them really nice and hot. Because when batteries would die, if you'd heat them up like that, they would get a temporary charge of you power. You get just a little extra. Yeah. So so I, I did leave one in the in the oven too long once, and it wasn't pretty. Yeah, uh, those cases it split. It on the bottom. It didn't explode. It just kind of busted open and yeah, it leaked it in the bottom. Mm-hmm. And then this goo was in the did bottom. Did you ever lick a battery? Nine volt, nine all volt. The time. Yeah. I did. That's nine how volt. you know whether or not they're still don't, a charge. Don't mm-hmm. lick a car battery though. That's not a good thing to do. No, that's got uh, battery acid on. Don't try this at so, home. <laughs> don't try any of that at home. Now, all those fireworks things we talked about last weekend. Don't try those. <laughs> oh yeah, well, we still all have our fingers. That's good. Talking about people not having a sense of humor and not knowing comedy. The and I told Chance this too, and I got to tell you this: that the the Facebook, internet, fact checking robot police are at it again and this time they didn't even get the joke and them doing this made the joke even funnier i saw this great photo on the internet this week and it had it had a picture of a um a kansas city it looked like it was on like the door of the kansas city chamber of commerce or something Mm -hmm. kansas city missouri i think and it was just a big poster that simply said welcome to kansas city the city of blah 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 is promoting themselves and it says we and i I may get the number of people wrong but it says we welcome sixty thousand people and it's supposed to say annually Mm -hmm. but it said anally right it was misspelled oh (laughs) but it was funny holy preparation h batman that is funny Mm -hmm. that is funny so i'm like oh this is great Uh, i love this well when i posted that image i got flagged by facebook by the fact checking police thing and it said this post has been recognized as containing. Uh, how do they say it? It's, it's incorrect. It's false, false, false or misleading false information. False or misleading information. And you know the problem they had with it. They had the problem with the number of people that were in the text. 
It's a the sixty thousand or whatever the number was. Really, that's the problem because the population number. That's the problem that they had. Because I saw other people algorithm. saying that well, the the fact that it was misspelled was the Photoshop to make you feel like it was an actual error. Still, still, that, and they were like, well, no, this has been photoshopped, and all that beside like, the point. <laughs> that's beside the point. The, the fact that Facebook decided to point out the number, and I'm like, you don't get this. This is a joke. <laughs> it's a whole joke. But the fact that you've chimed in on it, Facebook algorithm person. Has made the joke even funnier now because now you've become the joke of this. I can't believe that we're gonna we're gonna algorithm ourselves right out of existence. But could this it be crazy. that some dork reported it, or do you could, think it was just be, automatic? Well, I don't know. It could be that could be somebody working for the Kansas City Chamber of Commerce. You're there right. are way too many bots out there and algorithms <laughs> that are automatically <laughs> looking are. and will completely shut you down, which is why you always have the link to protest yeah. because then you can get to a real person, hopefully, right. who will then really look at it. And I hate that. I, one of my friends got put in Twitter jail for 24 hours because someone made some comment, and she goes, well, go ahead, uh, try to figure out if I'm lying or not. Go ahead, knock yourself out. No, that's a phrase. Knock yourself out. Like, yeah. have at it, right? Yeah, yeah. Good. They get put for uh, uh, for violence, for for, for willfully oh, really? uh, will, wishing wow. violence on somebody. Wow. For the phrase, knock yourself out. That's not obviously a well, person. That's a bot that flagged it. Well, sometimes I'll use the phrase, the phrase there's a problem. We had cheats in the armor. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh, uh-oh, can't say that. And it's not <laughs> what it means. It just means there's, there's holes in your armor. Correction. Uh, yes, anyway, it's it, holes. We're, we're in trouble. We're, we're we are, when language end. no longer matters. That's right. Speak on there. we got more and more fun coming up. And we'll see if I can stay awake. I don't know if I can, but I'll try. Fruit juicy. Hey, how about a nice Hawaiian punch? Sure. You taste seven kinds of fruit in Hawaiian punch. Seven kinds of fruit in Hawaiian punch. Hawaiian punch is made with seven kinds of fruit for a one-of-a-kind fruit taste. Hawaiian Punch Fruit Punch with 10% real fruit juice for a real fruit juicy taste. Hawaiian Punch is made with seven kinds of fruit for a one-of-a-kind fruit taste. You mean you have an Atari video game system but not Atari Missile Command? Well, then you must have Defender. Great game. Or a challenge like Star Raiders. What about Yars Revenge? Well, you gotta have Berserk, right? And Atari Space Invaders, a classic. You don't? Come on. An Atari system without those games? That's like having a stereo with no hit records. Fellow classic TV fans, Walt Disney's The Mickey Mouse Club ran on ABC from 1955 to 59. The director, Sidney Miller, claimed to be relieved by the fact that the Mouseketeers were normal kids. He was clearly referring to their attitudes as these kids were anything but normal when it came to talent. The daily after-school broadcast developed a huge and devoted following, thus making the young Mouseketeers bona fide child stars. Numerous Mouseketeers continued their television work in the years to come. For example, the Emmy-nominated 
co-star of The Rifleman, Johnny Crawford. Also, there was Don Grady, who landed the role of Robbie on My Three Sons. There was Paul Peterson, who played Jeff on The Donna Reed Show, and fellow club member Sherry Alberoni guest starred on Donna Reed and later appeared in The Man from U.N.C.L.E. and The Monkees. Of course, Bobby Burgess landed his steady dance gig on The Lawrence Welk Show, but then there was the Mouseketeer who, with her cohort, Frankie Avalon, went into beach blanket movie immortality, the iconic Annette Funicello. For BK on the Air, this is Pat McCormick from the Golden Rage of TV. Thank you, Pat. And if you love Pat, check him out out there. He's got a YouTube channel, Golden Rage of TV. He's on Facebook. He's on Twitter. He's on uh, Instagram. He's out there, and he's a great resource for classic television and stuff. And he plays a mean guitar, too, by the way. If you've never heard him play guitar... He's, uh, I, I would say he's a better guitar player than we are, but that doesn't really say anything. <laughs> so True. It's like saying uh, I can change the oil in a car better than you can. Well, I can't do that either. I can't do anything that's useful except uh, mess up on the radio. Is, is messing up and making mistakes, is that a talent? Could that be considered a talent, or does that mean lack of talent? I don't know. That's like Alan and I were talking about turning a, a switch. We're talking about light switches or something. That's like if you turn, if you turn the light switch what were we saying? If you turn the on button, if you engage the off button, it's off. If you turn on the off button, the light is off. What I'm saying, we kind of we flipped around. You do, <laughs> Are you okay? You don't remember that? We, <laughs> no. I know we talked about that like three or four weeks ago. We talked about something. Yeah. You're <laughs> so, like uh, the lost in space robot without a power pack in. You can always screw at people and say, could you right. please turn on the dark? <laughs> so that's what I mean. Turning what? on the dark means... Yeah, turning off the turn light. Turn off the light. T- <laughs> That's right. So. Robot. However, I will need a recharge uh, in the morning. <laughs> will Robinson. Pardon me, miss. I was giving myself an oil bath. <laughs> was that Robbie? Where did Robbie say that? Did he say that in Forbidden Planet? That's a quote from Robbie, and I can't remember where he said it. Yes, and Lucas stole that in Star Wars with <laughs> the oil did. bath with C-3PO. Well, yeah. he, he, he borrowed it. Right. He, he paid homage. Let's put it that way. I mean, think about it. Lucas paid homage to... The, 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 the fortress, hidden, the hidden, hidden fortress, fortress of seven samurai, or whatever you want to say, with Star Wars. You are correct, sir. Seven. It is an homage, not a theft. <laughs> and is it homage or, or a homage? How do you say that? The H is silent. Is it caramel or caramel? Caramel. It doesn't matter. Tomato. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Tomato. <laughs> tomato. Well, that that one's potato. Just, potato. I want to know the name. But I want to find the person who goes. Can I have some potato chips? I'm like, no. <laughs> you can have some tater chips if you yeah. want some. I have yeah. plenty of those. Yes. You ain't from America, are you? Do you want crystals or White Castle? Well, if you're Alan, you want neither one. Neither one. (laughs) So we found out about that. (laughs) Hey, you never know until you try, right? You'd never had them, so. No, I mean, yeah, I can say, I can now say uh, my my suspicions were confirmed. And you've been educated in the world of Crystal (laughs) hamburgers. And I did see something they have new on the menu at Crystal on their commercial. They're now selling small, crystal-sized pork barbecue sandwiches. I'm like. Crystal? Oh, aren't those considered sliders from now? Crystal, I don't know. Don't they call them sliders when they're like a little mini? Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I, I don't know if I want barbecue from them. I think <laughs> I want to go to a barbecue place for that. Well, they get it out of a can. You'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be amazed at all the things we eat out of a can. I know. <laughs> Sometimes things out of a can are bad. I just had somebody who texted me. We were talking in the last segment about whether or not I'd like to live in the UK, and she said, but the yeah. food there is terrible. I'm like, well, I won't have to worry about going out. I'll make all my. I, I'm. I used to cook. I mean, I cook everything anyway. Plus, not anymore. They have restaurants over there. We have well, here yeah. now. I mean, There's, that's not. That's not an issue, right? She's um, talking about the old. When? When does she think you're going back to the 1450? Back in? The, <laughs> are she going back to the Renaissance time or something? Is there a good barbecue place here in Cartersville? Oh yes, Scott's Walk Up Barbecue. 
great. Scott's, Scott's Walk-Up, walk-up you know, Barbecue. I'm, mad, I'm not mad at them, but I'm upset that they don't sell breakfast anymore. That, they had really a good breakfast. I would love for them to bring that back. It's just, you love it wasn't brisket as, biscuit oh, the Brisket had. biscuit was the absolute best. <laughs> the sausage biscuit, because whatever that sauce was that they would drizzle on top afterwards, the, oh, they would yeah. baste it and it would soak into the bread. It would just, oh, it's just a perfect and amount of everything. They're a local business. We know them. We broadcast and they're doing some sports events. Every Friday, high school football, you, home game. You need to know that they're, and I'm not, this is not an exaggeration. They're local. Scott's Walk-Up Barbecue, their chili dogs rival the Varsity. Yes. I mean, everybody loves the Varsity chili dogs, and they're good, but their their hot dogs are amazing. I go there. get my chili, chili cheese dogs. slaw dogs from them, oh. and they are I – don't, I don't need to drive to Atlanta for one. I got better better hot dogs here. And as name drop, Jim Gossett says they don't cause natural gas, the chili dogs. That's good. <laughs> Unlike the varsity. <laughs> I, I think uh, that's wrong. <laughs> they probably yeah. do because of the Oh, we got a drone flying around out front. They've got a drone the best. If you like Brunswick stew, it is probably the best Brunswick, Brunswick stew. stew. But really they also good. have homemade yeah. ice cream and peach cobbler if you want dessert. But that homemade Scott's. ice cream. Oh. Scott's is just great. Go check it out. Go I to, will. Tell, tell Craig, Craig Guyton over there that uh, we sent you. I'm having barbecue dinner tonight, actually, before I see the Black Widow with friends at Slopes Barbecue in Sandy we're Springs. And it's the Bill Tush Cinema, Sandy Springs. We're going to see it tonight, Cinema too, uh, the Black Widow. Just to let you know that I'm contemplating now, as, ma- as bad as I want to go home and take a nap today when I get off the air, I'm thinking, could I, could I go by Scott's and get a chili dog on the way home? You I certainly could. Do I want to go well, eat two chili dogs and then go to sleep? I would suggest with, the, with how good they are. <laughs> You you have to go inside because you'd you'd be a hazard on the road no, trying no, to eat no, that in I'm the car. Not, I'm not eating them in this. I'm not eating them in the car. Are they an advertiser? Scotts, yes. Good. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're great because they know that the if the best barbecue belongs on the best radio station. Well, uh, Loki, the, the the latest Loki came out this week, and I was able to watch it before I came on the air. Sometimes I miss them. And you know what's good about Loki is it's on Wednesday, not Friday night, so I can mm-hmm. do that. And did you know I heard who's partially responsible for Loki being out on Wednesday? I don't know if it's true or not, Tom. but I read it. Tom Hiddleston. Yep. He's like, uh, can we bring those out on Wednesday and Friday? And I'm like, hey, that's a fantastic idea. I love that. Well, we saw Loki this week. I'm enjoying it. I know, Alan, you're enjoying it. Uh, it's Chance, so you're good. enjoying it, too. Let me say something about Loki and the and the shows in general. The, the, the line between television streaming shows on like Netflix or Disney Plus could they be any more blurred now? Watching these shows because that latest Loki episode with the giant what was they call it the creature that was in the other the, the, the big smoke creature? Yeah. Oh my it? god! It was called the the, 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 dragon, the, the Oliver. No, something the, like it was something. It, it was really like the name. Traveler, but it was like the. But it's this giant uh, smoke-looking creature with a, with a giant dragon head that comes out of it. It's kind of like Harry Potter's uh, Voldemort thing. It looked a little bit like that. But when I see those scenes and they're running from it and it's so huge and big and, and just so majestic, without a doubt, they're ju- these shows are just as good as motion picture films in the theater. Well, it's I the mean, same look, techniques and everything. Yeah, they're not, they're not skimping on anything. Nope. And it's great. Unlike the old days when we'd see a movie and go, oh, that's a, I can tell that's a TV movie. It's a TV film. That's a TV miniseries. Some yeah. of them look good. Some of them were good. And the, and the more into modern times that we get, the better they look. But, but uh, Mandalorian, all the Marvel shows. There's even a show my wife is watching right now that I can't watch because when I try to watch it, I get too angry when I watch it. It's called A Handmaiden's Tale. I'm watching that show, and it's a well-done show. It's it's beautiful. Whoever or whoever is putting that show together and directing it are obviously huge fans of Stanley Kubrick because the scenes are set up like, oh, that's a Stanley Kubrick angle. If I ever saw one, they're paying a little tribute to Stanley there. I could see that. They're so theatrical in their pre- in their presentation, which 
they are now. They they are they are movies on mm-hmm. on streaming because they are of that quality. And the reason I can't watch it is because you guys know what the subject matter yeah. of the show is about. I just hate when I watch the show. It's so well done though, but I watch it. I'm like, I, I can't watch this. I'm getting frustrated at what this show's about because I would be so against our country turning into something like that that I get really right. emotional watching the show and it makes me angry. I yeah. can't stand no, it. it I agree. Me. And hey. The producers affected me that way. I'm sure they wanted to do it, and they did a good job at making me feel that way. I don't. It's to the point where I don't even want to watch it. She's into it though. She's watching it though. Hey so. Barry, you're going to talk about the big cameo in Loki episode five titled "Journey into Mystery," which a which, mechanical which one. Which one? There's a few cameos. A game. So it's a game. Yeah. Wasn't it great that we got to see that pinball the pinball machine you're talking about, right? Yes. Which one was it? The Space Odyssey Space Mission Space Shuttle. So it was space, space, space mission. mission, right? Space mission and from 1976. And it just, it just was just sitting there. I'm like, wait, there's a classic pinball machine sitting right beside Loki from the old days. Which, if you're in the Georgia area, you could play at Portal Pinball in Kansas, yeah. Georgia. Right? Yeah, that's true. But uh, it, it was good to see that in there. It was good to see uh, the Thanos helicopter. <laughs> Now, that's from a kitty Spider-Man book yeah, that tell, Electric Company put tell out. Tell everybody where that Thanos, if, if you're watching. It's right here in the studio. I brought watching, it. If you're watching, when he goes back, you can see a helicopter on the ground back. And it looks like remnants of New York because if you see, it's the Stark Towers all in ruins and everything. There's a helicopter in the background with the word Thanos spray painted on it. And it, you'd be amazed where that's from. And Chance knows exactly where it's from. It's from a comic book called Spidey Super Stories, which was a children's version of Spider-Man, which has nothing to do with the canon or storyline of the Amazing Spider-Man. Spider-Man or Spectacular Spider-Man. They were their own Spider-Man. world of stories. Yeah. And at first I was irritated. I'm like, wait a minute. They're bringing that reality of the children's story into the Marvel Universe. But then you brought up a good point. These are separate timelines. Why not do that? Sure. And, and it could be it could be just like a bunch of punks, like skinheads or something, spray painting right. Thanos mm-hmm. right. on an abandoned helicopter. But like, like, just they, a small su- like they supported Thanos or something. Yeah, like we love Thanos. He should have stayed. Blah blah blah. But it's so he was right. Half the universe deserves to die. <laughs> right. But wasn't it great that they snuck even that obscure thing that even the most you know the diehard Marvel fan probably would notice that. But but if somebody, you know, like doesn't know what that is, they'd probably be like, Oh, well somebody just pray spray painted Thanos on a helicopter. And thanks right. for adding that this comic book, which was a fifty cent comic book, is now selling for hundreds of dollars and it will never go down in value. Because it's in that show and it's just week. a little what mm-hmm. they call an Easter egg. Yeah. I've also heard the Wanda Envision stories from the West Coast Avengers or whatever has yeah. shot up in price due to Wanda Vision. The white the vision. Show. Yeah, the, the white version of the vision. So yeah, if you still got comments, you could probably sell them for a good penny and uh, and get yourself some money. Uh, maybe not retire, but you know, I don't know if you got action. <laughs> if you got Action Comics number one with Superman in it, you could retire if you have a really good copy of that one. So, did did, did, she, did your mom throw out any of your stuff at all? Because my mom never threw my stuff out because she knew better. I wanted to keep it. Thankfully, not my comic books because I've got all those still. But my uh, all my uh, classic toys, especially all the classic Transformers and stuff. Yeah, they're all gone. Well, we're going to see All uh, Black Widow tonight. You're probably going to see it eventually. You don't know if you're yeah, decided no, streaming no, or what. We're definitely going to watch it. We're going to see it, find out what it's all about. James Install from Geek Me Radio was nice enough to come on last week and review it for us. He saw it early, and he said he gave it a big thumbs up. We're going to see it tonight. We'll probably review it. I'll put something about it online, and I'll talk about it next weekend here at BK on the Air. We're going to do a Me TV quiz today, too. I'm going to try to sneak that in today. <laughs> And uh, uh, Steven Spielberg signed a deal with Netflix. Did you guys see that? I wonder yes. what that's all about. Hmm. A little, that's a little contradictory to what he does. And Chris Pratt, wait till you hear what he wanted to do while he was high on Ambien. It's BK on After these messages, we'll be right back. Me and Barbie are having a dinner party. You and Barbie, glamorous Barbie townhouse. Wow, three floors. All six rooms have a modern look. 
You can help Barbie arrange the living room. Ken's cooking in the kitchen. The Superstar Barbie and Ken doll set is sold separately. Barbie changed for dinner. Elevator's going up. You and Barbie, Robert's Barbie Townhouse. The Barbie Townhouse has a play elevator, six rooms, and all this furniture. Assembly required from Mattel. Gather round the Jiffy Pop. Gather round the Jiffy Pop. The Jiffy Pop. The Jiffy Pop. Gather round the Jiffy Pop. The family fun treat. And here's great fun. A Jungle Book Magic Picture Kit free in specially marked packages of Jiffy Pop popcorn. Each kit's a different scene from Walt Disney Productions' full-length feature, Jungle Book. Four fun scenes in all. Here comes the Jiffy Pop. Fresh, hot, and delicious every time because you make it yourself. Gather round the Jiffy Pop. The family fun treat. Identify for retina scan. We're back. It's BK on the air here. I'm fine. No, really, I'm okay. I'll be fine. You have to wake me up after the lunch. I can get back up there. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. By the way, there's no movement with me on the... Remember, remember the little incident with my car that I had that the big brown delivery folks hit and they wouldn't take responsibility and the driver drove off and everything? They're even trying to dodge the, the police department trying to get a hold of them. So I'm really still – so I just went ahead. I put the car in to be fixed under my own insurance. I'm paying the deductible, and then we'll let uh, my insurance company maybe we'll try to pursue them. Because I, I have an insurance company that covers me that's very aggressive about stuff like that. And when you're, when you're on this end of it, that's a good thing. Not when you're on the end of trying to get a response from an insurance Tell company me about to it. you. Yeah, you know that very well, Chance. I won't even go in the arena. From stuff like that. So – well, uh, to try to take my mind on it, why don't we flash the audience with the two weird, the strange, and bizarre. Heck, the whole show is going to be a distraction for me today, <laughs> which is good. Uh, and look, I've got the first news. Officials at a British cathedral said a book that arrived in the mail recently is believed to have been checked out from the facility's library more than 300 years Whoa. ago. Whoa. Hey, sometimes we have funny stories about overdue books. This one's really overdue. Uh, the Reverend uh, Canon Keith Farrow, who has served as vice dean and canon at the Sheffield Cathedral since 2014, said the book, a 1704 printing of the faith of practice of church and the English man, arrived in the mail this week along with a note from a woman explaining its origins. He said the cathedral's library had been a popular local feature until it was dismantled in the 1800s. Farrell joked that the overdue fee for this book could buy the cathedral a new roof. <laughs> there would be so much to restore that they could get a new roof if they could collect off that. Yeah, buddy, I, I would hate to see how much that would really cost if they charged for that. That's I, one heck I would of a be fine. scared to go, I, I wouldn't want to touch it. No. It's so old, I'm like, I don't want to mess this thing up. So, And, and you and I, we know we'd never find anything like that in no. our basement or anything. Yeah. <laughs> nothing so of value it's ever. Just, it's just old stuff that we owned that's worth nothing. And then we throw it away, and then suddenly it <laughs> becomes valuable. Like, no! Only until we throw it away. Right. The that's minute what, we throw it away, it's on eBay for $10,000. That's when, that's exactly And the I one like. we threw away is someone got it out of the trash and put it on $10,000. As I, say, I said to a friend just yesterday, if it wasn't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. No, ah, I've got despair and I've agony. Got, on I've me. got the next news. <laughs> Only here on this show we hear a hee haw reference. Mm. A six-year-old girl in India unofficially broke a Guinness World Record by identifying 93 airlines by the designs on the tails of their planes in one minute. But just the designs only. One minute, 93, averaging about every uh, 
40 seconds, uh, for, for, for 0.4 seconds, a new name. I was wondering which ones I could do, and the only one I can think of is the words aren't on them and it was the logo. I could do the rest, fast food restaurants that way, just as fast. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, Arna Gupta, age six of Pan, uh, Panchkula, uh, identified the airlines July the 1, earning a spot in the International Book of Records and unofficially breaking a Guinness World Record held wow. by Gupta, the girl's mother, saw that, uh, excuse me, so uh, breaking the record, period. Neha Gupta, the girl's mother, said she saw her daughter's unusually powerful memory at a young age. Evidence from the girl's record attempt still must be approved by Guinness officials. That's pretty fast for a little girl. To do 93. In, little I don't kid. even know if I could say 93 period. words in 60 seconds. I know I couldn't, but they'd be laden with uhs and uh, 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 clearing my throat <laughs> and stuff. I got the next news. From UPI, a Texas woman with a massive collection of video game systems earned two Guinness World Records for her efforts. Check this out. Linda Gulroy, 51, of Richardson, said the, uh, she was awarded the Guinness Record for the largest collection of LCD gaming systems, 1,599, the largest collection of playable gaming systems, 2,430. That's a lot of games. Gilroy said that her collection started at age eight with a red conic basketball game. I'm not even familiar with some of these because they're all, <laughs> if they're post-1983, I don't know what they are, some of them. And her passion for collecting was reignited by the conversation with her brother in 2003. She said uh, she soon had cabinets filled with vintage gaming systems. She said her collection grew by leaps and bounds during her visits to Japan. She's hoping to one day have her collection displayed in a museum. And an engineer uh, by trade, Gillier, said that uh, she hopes to use her vintage systems to help teach children about electronics. Well, there's something positive coming out about it right there. You know, I not that long ago when they had the throwbacks to the old ColecoVision, remember the football, basketball, and yeah, soccer games? Little games. I, love I bought things. every one of those and would play for just an hour every night, just these little blips and little LCD markers and trying to score, shoot, and pass Weren't the football. Did they run on batteries? Great. Yes, like they we were talking about. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, Weren't they were they the, great? I mean, it was the throwback classic. They looked exactly like when I was a kid in the 70s. They had just re-released them in the mid-90s, these ColecoVision handheld games. <laughs> Touchdown. Yep. Uh, they didn't and even I talk. Am. It was just, it, it, would make, uh, it would have the little, and that was it. I but never played, I only played the football one. I don't think I played any of the other. The, I, I've got all three because I used to play basketball, soccer, and football on the bus to school. Someone would have one, and you could play with, you know, back and forth. You could, you know, try to score on the other oh, team. That's and cool. I think I'll pull up an old ad for one of those and play them today. All right. I've got the next news. The California Highway Patrol, affectionately known as CHIPS, said an officer recently pulled a vehicle over when he noticed an unusual visual obstruction on the hood. A satellite dish. Oh, I was going to say a, uh, a, a, a dancer or <laughs> something that went in a totally different direction for California. The CHP Antelope Valley Station said an Instagram post that Officer T. Catton stopped a Toyota Prius on the area of highway on the area of a highway after taking note of the large satellite dish mounted right in front of the windshield. The post said the officer asked the driver if the satellite dish impeded their view, and the person replied, "Only when I make right turns." <laughs> Time. The CHP said the dish runs afoul of the California Vehicle Code, which makes it illegal to mount anything on the hood of a vehicle that could obstruct the driver's view. The CHP did not say whether or not the driver was ticketed on or released with a warning. Would, yeah, that's the. Wouldn't it be funny if he'd been watching Chips? <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> Who we'll pulled him over, Ponch or John? Or I don't know. We got a chips thing in today's birthday too. Funny, we should uh, tie that in. I've got the last news. 
<laughs> See, I'm off. I even said play the flash before I said news. <laughs> you got the last totally different, flash so. news. Yeah. <laughs> Can you wait, flash us the news? Wait, that kind of works too, doesn't yeah, it, if you does. really think about it. Uh, this one's from our own backyard. Authorities in Georgia said they're trying to locate a loose African s- uh, serval. 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 It's a serval. Ca- yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, a large a, cat. exotic cat. Uh, it woke a sleeping woman by jumping onto her bed. See, I'd never heard of one, so I didn't even know how to pronounce that. Christine Frank said she was asleep at her home in the historic Brookhaven neighborhood of Atlanta. We know very well where that is at 6.45 a.m. Wednesday when she was awakened by an unusual presence in her bed. Don't you hate it when you're awakened by an unusual presence in your bed? That really happens to us now, as mm-hmm. old as we are with our significant other. It's so never an unusual. It's a usual presence in the bed. Careful how you say that. Mine's woken up by an unusual event in the bed that I usually have to vent the covers for but we'll get into that on the break she said i felt something jump on my bed and i opened my eyes and it was a large cat on my bed frank told the neighborhood paper frank said her husband david it wasn't him had let their dog outside a short time earlier and had left the door open so the canine can come back inside when it was ready. David Frank barricaded a large cat in the bedroom and went around to the outside of the house to open the door that leads from the bedroom to the outdoors. He said the uh, the big cat hissed at him as it exited his home. Yeah, Mrs. BK does that to me sometimes uh. when she gets mad. <laughs> The Georgia Department of National Resources that said there's been three reported sightings of a large cat that, that, that fits this description on the loose in the area in recent days. I wonder if it's the same cat or is it a different one? I'm really perplexed here. These wild cats are native to Africa. They're legal to keep as exotic pets here in Georgia, but the owners are required to obtain permits for the animals. The DNR said this, the large cat is believed to have been kept as an illegal pet. So they mm-hmm. got this one. They're not allowed in Georgia. They're not allowed in Georgia, but a lot of people will have these exotic cats. It's very much like a... I think like a mountain lion looking cat. It just gets to about 35 like a, or 40. Like a wild cat or something. It gets to about yeah. 30, 35 pounds. And so it's a, it's a big cat. You don't want to mess with those. My dog would be afraid of that cat. <laughs> Look, we had a Maine Coon, and that thing was 16 pounds. I can't imagine having <laughs> wow. a bigger cat than that. I remember a, a, a wild alligator being loose now in Woodstock, Georgia, many years ago. Someone had a, Did it have little, got loose. little Loki it horns on it? could have been a Loki gator. You're right. It's a big <laughs> BK on the air. I want to remind you of uh, uh, there's a new bicycle place right here in Carpsville. Did you know that? It's summertime. The sun is out. Everything's great. It's time to break out that bike or buy a new one. You can get with the folks at Cartersville Bicycle Service and Supply. They offer maintenance and repair of all bicycles, as well as parts, accessories, and, of course, brand new spanking shiny new bikes. Whether you're a veteran rider or just starting out, Cartersville Bicycle has what you need to get out and enjoy the roads and the trails of northwest Georgia. If you're on the road, though, be careful. Stop in and see the shop. They're located at the corner of West Avenue and South Tennessee Street, and they're open seven days a week from 7.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. And you can call them at 470-315-BIKE. That's 470-315-2453. Or just search for Cartersville Bicycle on Facebook, and you'll see their bright, shining Facebook page right there staring back at you. I want to give out the number, 770-386-1450 is our number if you want to give us a call and chime in on anything 
that we happen to be talking about today. We did watch the new Loki episode. We're really into Loki. I think it was great. I talked about before we went to the break earlier about how these shows are blurring the lines between theatrical films and movie releases. You can't really call them TV shows anymore because they really aren't. They are actually many films that are streaming with great special effects quality, great production value, great cinematography, great acting. Everything's on par. They could take these right off of Netflix or, or Disney Plus and show them on the big screen, and I would probably go see them. I'm enjoying Loki. I really am enjoying it. It's a great show. And speaking of that, I actually have a story here about streaming. Let's do this before I forget about it. By Daniel Arkin. I think I don't know if this is Fox News or Deadline or Variety where I got this, but that's the author of this little thing. Steven Spielberg has signed a deal with Netflix in the latest sign of evolving Hollywood. Now, you may remember us talking about Spielberg. Now, Alan remembers this. We talked about how Spielberg came out. I think it's in the story here, so let me read it and let's see what they say about it. He's an iconic Hollywood titan, synonymous with larger-than-life spectacle movies, cherishing the big-screen experience in traditional movie theaters. That's Steven Spielberg. Here's what he says. Quote, I want to see the survival of movie theaters. I want the theatrical experience to remain relevant in our culture. He said that in the New York Times back in 2019. So he was kind of, okay, he was kind of knocking things that were on Netflix. I don't know whether he said it, but it was him or Scorsese or someone said, I don't really think these movies that are streaming on Netflix are very are really uh, qualify well, remember, for an Academy Award. He was really like upset that. because there was one movie that was a, a Netflix produced movie. It was supposed to be direct to Netflix. I can't remember which one it was. It was uh, one with um, oh, Was it Bird Box? With, Bird uh, Box, yes. With, with uh, What's the her girl. name? Yes, her from Speed. Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock. Um, yeah, because he said, well, just because you released it in the theater in L.A., that wasn't really a movie and in the theater. And it was streaming on Netflix. It's yeah. really a streaming movie, and we should right. keep them separate. Remember my big thing to him? Because he was saying, that's not traditional. Like, you completely went away from the Hollywood model when you created your own studio. He bucked the system. Him you and bucked Lucas the both system, yeah. and now you're stuck into the, your way of thinking is the only you way. Know, you're like big Hollywood was back when you were an up-and-coming right. director. Yeah. It's like well, Scorsese making fun of Marvel movies, saying that's right. not real cinema. He's he just jealous because his box office is a fraction of what it produces. He may also be jealous because they haven't approached him to direct one. That's it, too. <laughs> Maybe, too. But in a clear sign of the times, Spielberg's company Amblin Partners announced this past Monday it has signed a multi-year deal to make feature films annually for the streaming powerhouse Netflix. Well, how about that? Scotty Waddy dude ah day. Amblin, named for the 1968 short film by Spielberg, it's his company name, will continue to make movies for Universal Pictures, too. In recent years, Universal distributed high-profile Amblin projects such as Green Book and the movie 1917. Universal Pictures is a unit of NBC Universal, as we know, the parent company of NBC News. Quote, at Amblin, story telling will favor will forever be the center of everything we do and from the minute ted and i started discussing a partnership it was abundantly clear that we had an amazing opportunity to tell stories together and reach audiences in new ways spielberg said in a statement monday referring to ted sarandos the co-chief executive producer at netflix the agreement does not specifically mention that spielberg will direct movies for netflix although variety has said that that was a possibility well of course it is spielberg's next project is a remake of the classic music musical West Side Story, which to me is, I've got a big yawn on that. Ugh. I agree. But we'll debut, I shouldn't be that way. I mean, movies are movies. They just happen to be kind of ones that I don't really care for. Uh, that movie will debut theatrically in December via the Disney-owned 20th Century Studios uh, label. And the deal represents a major victory for Netflix, which needs an A-list talent on its roster to fend off growing competition from streaming rivals such as Disney Plus and 
Amazon Prime and grow its base of more than 200 million global subscribers. Oh, that's why my uh, movies slow down sometimes, I guess, because there's so many people logged on. The pact also signals that Spielberg's alleged feud with Netflix has cooled, or was there ever really one? I don't know. Or perhaps that the rift was overstated in the first place. Could be maybe a little bit of both. Who knows? In early 2019, Spielberg was reportedly looking for a purpose rule changes that would bar movies that are mainly distributed on digital platforms from competing at the Academy Awards. Yes, that was the part of the story that we mentioned. The reports uh, created the impression that the Oscar-winning director was uh, anti-streaming, but in the end... The uh, the celebrated filmmaker said Schindler's List and Jurassic Park did not urge the Academy of Motion Pictures and Art Sciences to revise its eligibility policies. He eventually clarified his views to the New York Times, saying that while he believed in the power of the big screen experience, he was ultimately agnostic on the question of where people people watch their entertainment. So uh, I guess he's backpedaled a little bit on that. Maybe he's been shown huge truckloads of money, maybe, because that... You know what's the what's the term? Money talks. Barbara Streisand walks. Right. I think that's the case. I, you, I between know. money and the fact that when's the last time outside of Ready Player One did Spielberg have a true box office smash? You have to go all the way back to Crystal Skull, and that wasn't exactly a hallmark right. in his career. Which even Ready, Player, I mean, it is, but for a different reason. Ready Player One still wasn't the gigantic Spielberg smash that he usually gets. No, it but was that, just barely a smash. Right. But that was his <laughs> was still, biggest yeah, one right. since Crystal Skull. And when we when we brought that fact out and saw that, I never would have thought that it was player, Ready Player One. I'm like, really? That was his last big successful movie. I just, I was floored by that. And I, where, where I liked player, Ready Player One, it was okay. I think I was too distracting watching it, trying to see everything, like all the Easter eggs. I had to watch it twice. The second time, I just kind of more watched the movie because mm-hmm. I was more in like, oh, there, there's the Excalibur. There's the, there's, the, there's the DeLorean from Back to the Future. There's this. There's that. Right. I, I, I was distracted while watching it. But uh, he since passed his prime a long time ago, which a lot of people, they can't hold the, 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 the height of their careers forever. It's tough. How I see what is another quote on here? He says, "Big screen, small screen. What really matters to me is a great story, and everyone should be have access to great stories." He said in an email to the newspaper. However, I feel people I feel people need to have the opportunity to leave the safe and familiar of their lives behind and go to a place where they can sit in the company of others who uh, respect theater rules, by the way, right? and have a shared experience, cry together, laugh together, be afraid together, so that when it's over, they might feel a little less like strangers, he added. So that's how it ends with him talking about that. And I agree with that. I would, I would much rather go to the movie theater if we can go with like-minded people. I don't mind people hooping and hollering at the theater, but at the appropriate moment with everyone right. else. Like it's a There's shared a difference experience. between, yes, the shared experience right. versus having uh, no decorum, no no, no right. sense of politeness and civility inside the theater. There's a difference between opening your rapper in the middle of a nice scene that I need to hear the dialogue to, you should have done that earlier, as opposed to when, I don't know, when Captain America grabs Thor's hammer in Avengers and the whole theater goes crazy, including me, which was an exciting moment. That's appropriate to make noise there or when or when uh, when brody blows the, the shark up at jaws at the end that's the giant you know applause Woo, yeah yeah you know and the death the, star blows up the enterprise know? the end of star trek 4 the yeah home. when they reveal when they reveal the new enterprise and that stuff. was destroyed in star trek 3 and we got some star trek news coming up too by the way on the show today about it being in uh, a new 4k release on uh, on blu-ray and uh, where you can see star trek 4 in the theater too we'll talk about that too but what else we're going to do in the show today i don't have time to do it right now because we're ticking up to the top of the hour but uh, we lost a great director this week, and I was really sad to see that Richard Donner had passed away this week. And I think was he was it nine was he ninety one? 
Yes. I think it was 91, yeah. I've got the story it's a good here. long run. I'll get more into it later after the top of the hour. But isn't it weird, Alan, that Richard Donner passed away, and didn't we just have a story about him a few weeks ago where he was thinking, somebody said he was thinking about doing a new Lethal Weapon yeah. film, and he actually kind of stated, well, I'll be 91 when I direct Lethal Weapon 5, and it will probably it will, it will be my last film of my career. I will retire after that. And when I saw that he died, I'm like, oh, no, he was just – running around the, the the idea of doing that and i think that's probably a missed opportunity now but i don't i don't know whether that was set in stone about doing that or not there's a great video if you guys can look it up on youtube it's called a uh, uh, search for a cast in richard donner reunion uh lethal weapon where he's sitting on stage talking with mel gibson danny glover and renee russo on a stage and it was just made just a few years ago with him talking about it hearing what he was talking about and stuff. We're going to play a clip of him talking about Superman coming up later in the program day. He's going to be speaking about like uh, Christopher Reeve, how they became friends, how Chris Reeve was, just how weird and pretentious and odd Marlon Brando was on the set about some things he could do. Yeah. And even some directors warned him, like, you're casting Brando? Well, let me tell you about what he what he does. You may not want to do that. He reads cue cards. He wouldn't memorize dialogue. <laughs> well, there's a lot there's a lot more than that. He's I mean, paid he's, over a million dollars to do that in the first Superman. Yeah, and, and at the time, was that not the largest money paid to an actor for a role? Yes, in it 1978? was. So you got Marlon Brando on there. But, he, but, but the story comes out good, after all, by the way. He even, hits, he even hints on uh, dealing with the Salkinds and Superman 2 in this interview, too. It's really funny how he he talks about them too. Not without. He's not really crude about it, but he's very nice, Richard Donner. About I will it. be in a radio way. They were a holes. The South <laughs> and Pierre true. Spengler, I'll agree the with other that. producer. I'll agree the with way that. They treated Richard Donner was well, disgraceful. When you hear Richard Donner talk about them, he says they are too, but in a Richard Donner nice way. <laughs> You'll see what I'm talking about when you play the. Uh, but I can't. Rem- I, I can't believe that his his body of work that I didn't see. When you think of great directors, you think, oh, everyone's favorite directors. Oh, I like. Who's your favorite director? Oh, Steven Spielberg. Oh, uh. uh uh, George Lucas, well, George Lucas, Christopher Nolan, uh, Christopher Nolan, uh, Stanley Kubrick, yeah, all these directors that have directed movies over the years, and uh, you forget that Richard Donner's a part of that group. I mean, he's got so many films that he did of great work. Of yeah, he's films. got a lot of blockbusters. Yeah, a, a lot, lot of blockbusters. Lot of uh, we'll talk about a lot of that, and a lot of his television work. We'll hint on it. And I won't tell you what it is right now, but if you think about it, to me, he directed the best episode of The Twilight Zone, and a lot of people think it's the best episode and the most exciting episode of The Twilight Zone, the original series. So much that they remade it for The Twilight Zone, the movie, that came out in the early 80s that uh, that George Miller from Mad Max directed that one. And we'll tease you what that is. You can think about it. You'll know what it is. I know everyone in this room knows what it is. We'll talk about Richard Donner. We'll talk uh, um Chance has got his uh, classic snapshot nostalgia coming up later on the program. Chris Pratt. Paramount releasing the Star Trek movies. Oh, I got so much. Your scientists want a lunar lunar arc on the moon. I I need some sleep. I'm going crazy. From a doomed planet in a distant galaxy to a fantastic underground hideaway. From the fortress of solitude to the bustling city room of the Daily Planet. Look. Up on the screen... It's Superman. Superman, the movie. Rated PG. Now playing. Check newspapers for local listing. So, uh, we'll get your mother later and go to the movies. Dad, we forgot the peanut butter. Can we buy Superman peanut butter? Our brand's fine, honey. Have you ever tasted Superman peanut butter? Its strength is its great taste. Mmm, delicious. Smooth and creamy, a real... Fresh roasted peanut flavor. It's nutritious too. 
Superman peanut butter. Its strength is its great taste. Thanks, Superman. Boy, that sun time, I got a headache. I better go home and take some medicine for it. Oh? Sure, got a lot of stuff in the medicine cabinet. Taking pills is dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. Dangerous? The wrong pill or too many pills can make you sick. Remember, kids shouldn't take any medicine unless it's given to them by a doctor or their parents. I remember Superman. Stand by to receive our transmission. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Hey, we're back. It's BK on the air here on AM 1450 and 100.3 FM WBHF. No Channel Star Wars today. They're taking a break today. So what we're going to do is I'm going to go right into it. We did lose a director uh, this week, and I've a, been a huge fan of this director for a long time. By the way, we've got uh, Chance Bartels in here with us and Alan Shakespeare having a good time every Saturday. I don't know about you guys, but uh, even though I'm tired and haven't had any sleep, uh, I feel perked up when I'm on the air because I get this. I think there's, I think there's a short in the microphone when I touch it, and I've got like this little puddle of water here that I've stacked it on in the floor, so it's giving me like this electrical jolt, which is always <laughs> nice. You look like you're going to say something. I think you need a three-hour show <laughs> three and a no-dose pill tour. <laughs> I don't want to go on a three-hour tour. Hey, I need. Uh, I'll take anything I can get. Um, Richard Donner passed away. He was 91 years old. I have this story from Julius Young at Fox News. And i got to tell you something about this that I printed out when I get done with it. Fox News confirmed through his rep and production company that Donner died Monday. The cause of death, death was not disclosed. Born Richard Donald Schwartzberg in the Bronx. <laughs> and if you can listen to Richard Donner talk sometime, you can tell he was from the Bronx because it comes out. The accent comes out uh, a lot when you hear him talk. And we'll have a, a clip of him coming up. Donner attended junior college before landing at the fame NYU, where he majored in business and theater. Imagine that. He was an actor to, st- to start, but he fell in love with the art of storytelling and moved behind the camera, like some actors did, cutting his chops on such television series as Wanted, Dead or Alive, The Twilight Zone, The Man from Uncle, and Quinn Martin's The Fugitive with David Jansen. And by the way, I did hear a story, and I told Chance about this this morning, and you'd heard about it too. Uh, that uh, Remember Wanted, Dead or Alive, the TV show was St- Steve McQueen's show that he had? He came to blows with Steve McQueen. I heard Steve McQueen was kind of difficult to work with, you know, kind of like you and I in a stage play were to. And he wanted to quit. And he goes, no, you can't quit the show. You know, we're going to have a fight, but don't worry about it. You know, he didn't want to quit, and Donner didn't quit. So he he kept uh, directing the episode that he was in. Uh, he also did the uh, did time at the animation company Hanna-Barbera, directing several episodes of Danger Island, that's a live-action show, part of the children's series on the Banana Splits, where he handheld camera work, his handheld camera work stood out, according to Variety, even back in the 70s. He broke out as a major player in Hollywood and showbiz in 1976 when his feature film The Omen with Damien, starring Gregory Peck and Lee Remick, catapulted Donner into the upper echelon of filmmaking. He Mm -hmm. also helmed, after that, the highly successful and critically acclaimed Superman the movie in 1978, uh, filming Superman 2 at the same time before being fired by the producers Ilya and Alexander Salkine. Now, did you hear that little... Yeah, boo to them. Did you hear that little snippet I read about Superman right there? Mm -hmm. I had to add this to the story because they said nothing about Superman in this story. I added that part. It's a, like, a millennial why? wrote it. It must have. Now, with his wife, Lauren Schuller Donner, whom Donner married in 1986, the pair were often a producing powerhouse, and Donner would go on uh, to make Free Willy and the Lost Boys 
producing it, among a slew of other high-drawing titles that attracted the talent, best some of the best talent in the business. I'd forgotten about this, too. Donner executive produced the widely successful X-Men in the year 2000 and also helmed the prequel X-Men or Origins Wolverine. I'd forgotten that he did that. For, for Marvel, which was interesting. I totally slipped my mind. In 1982, Donner took his career to new heights with the period love story Lady Hawk, uh, which was with Rutger Hauer and Matthew Broderick and mm-hmm. Michelle Pfeiffer. Interesting movie. I was... I was I, I, Lady Hawk is an interesting movie. It's an interesting premise. It's, it's, it's something weird about it, though, because when I watch it, the 80s synthesized music score gets on my nerves. It would be okay to listen to it separately, but stuff like that doesn't work in a period piece movie. It needs to be an orchestra. Can't really stand does. the synth- synthesized drums. It's kind of weird, and it was a misstep, in my opinion. Now, he followed that up with The Goonies, produced in conjunction with Steven Spielberg's Amblin Entertainment. We just talked about Spielberg earlier. Alan, did you like The Goonies. Loved it. You're a still, younger, still see, to this you're a day. You're younger than me. I never got into the Goonies because I think it was an age thing when it came out. I'm like, eh, this is a kiddie movie. I really don't get this. But but uh, I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I just couldn't identify with it. But it was interesting. I like the tribute to Superman, though, where he... Yeah. He, the monster. He that yeah. In there. yeah this, the but the, the fact is, it's still <laughs> one of those movies that we love so much. The wife and I will go back and watch it just to watch it because it does have a nostalgic feel for us. And I love the treasure. It, yeah, and it's a I mean, classic, everything. too. I mean, it's referenced, and it's, it's, it's reached classic status. It's a classic movie. Now, one of the many highlights of Donner's illustrious career included the installation of the Lethal Weapon series starting in 1987, which starred Mel Gibson and Danny Glover with the title generating more than a billion dollars back in the box office when it came out. So, And, and what's funny is we discussed this, too, off the air. He was one of those guys where he directed the first Lethal Weapon film, the very first one. And sometimes when sequels come out, different people come in and different directors yeah. come in. He directed every sequel to that movie. So he, I think he, re, if you listen to him talk about it, he really loved that franchise and loved working with all the It was the a great franchise. It still is a great franchise. Even even with the fourth one, it's I still like it. And it's considered, uh, the, I guess, the quintessential kind of cop buddy movie. The buddy cop the, movie. He sort of, br- it, it's definitely got that 80s stamp. But, um, you know, I, I know you said to... Uh, Kind of come up with some of our favorites. We may, we may get to it, but the Lethal Weapon franchise is one of my favorite sort well, of action franchises. Why don't we do that right now? I've got a list of all his films here, uh, and I still haven't seen a lot of his films. Chance, you recommended um, you recommended Conspiracy Theory. I haven't seen that with Mel Gibson. I need to see that. That's, that's great. You like it too? Okay, thank you, Alan. I'm glad that. you agree with it. I haven't seen Assassins either. I think that's with Antonio ne- Banderas. I never saw that. that. I saw it. I can't remember that either, but he's in that. His last movie was 16 Blocks. Now, the premise of that was very interesting, and I can't remember who's in that, but I think he's somebody's got to take someone 16 Blocks somewhere in a city or something, and it's kind of, a, it's kind of an action-packed thriller. I need to see that. But wh- I, told the, I told the guys here to think about maybe what's your top five or some of your favorite Richard Donner mm-hmm. films, and we can go around and just kind of roundtable it, and we'll start with five and count down with the fifth one and go down to number one. We'll start with Chance. Chance, mm-hmm. you got a number five favorite film? From the Toy Richard with the Richard toy. Pryor yeah, Richard and my Pryor favorite. Jackie, Jackie Gleason, Gleason. <laughs> <laughs> which which I don't know why that movie gets such a bad rap. I know it's a remake of a I think a French film called The Toy from France, but I loved The Toy. I thought it was hilariously funny when I saw it. I th- and Ned Beatty was in it. And you have Richard. Right, that's correct. And you have Richard Pryor in the Spider-Man suit. To me, that's the first black Running Spider-Man. <laughs> that's 
That's in a cinema history. Up right there. Yeah, he was. <laughs> Spider-Man underoos. I think he's wearing a pajamas. Forget the U-verse. It's Richard Pryor in the toy. <laughs> Richard Pryor needs to be thrown in. He needs to be in the next Spider-Man movie as one of the Spider-Man. You know, they see him or something. Yeah. <laughs> so your toy, toy, the toy is number five for you. Alan, you got a fifth For movie me, for and Richard I know it's Donner? because Richard Donner really had a great relationship with Mel Gibson. I loved Maverick. I thought that was a Maverick. fun remake of the old West. TV show. Yeah. You have James Garner back in there as a you've got uh, Jodie Foster, Mel Gibson, and having a great time and yet having a great story and everybody trying to outdo the other, everybody backstabbing the other. It was I had so much fun wasn't, watching that movie. Wasn't wasn't James playing his character from the show? It was a direct no, it was thing from the top, show, right? No, Mel, Mel Gibson was playing the character that oh, James right. Garner that's played. Right. It wasn't a James sequel. Garner was in it, yeah, sort okay. of like an and, and talk about a twist ending at the end. I'm like, wait, hey, I didn't Maverick, see that coming. If you have not seen it ever, check it out. It's a lot of fun. And this bumper music is in Superman 2. It is. Which Richard Donner unofficially directed. Average white man. I'll my before we go to break, I'll give you my fifth favorite uh Richard Donner movie. My fifth favorite is Lethal Weapon. I, I think that's I think that I've only first seen the first two. I need to see the rest. But Lethal Weapon to me is number five on my list. We'll continue when we come back. Talk about Richard Donner. I actually have a, a clip from him talking about Superman. He just seemed like a great guy. Everyone that had ever met him said he's a great stand-up guy and a, a very talented director too. It's BK on there. We'll have more about Richard Donner when we come back. Sponsored by Parker Brothers. Homemade fun for over 90 years. Boom, 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 boom. Parker Brothers bonkers with in funny twist and track and send you backward to go forward or forward to go back. The bonkers board keeps changing with every single play. With bonkers cards and bonkers dice, it is not the singing twice. And you go back and forward faster in a bunker kind of fun. And you're certain that you're losing, but suddenly you've won. Bunker is fun. Bunker is nice. Bunker is never the same game twice. Bunkers from Parker Brothers. Munch a bunch 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 of free toast go with lunch. Nothing gives your old lunch new life like Fritos brand corn chips. So munchy, so full of good corn taste. Fritos corn chips make lunch munch better. This is Stop Thief, a computerized cops and robbers game where an electronic crime scanner gives you clues Door. to catch an invisible thief. A broken window. Footsteps. In Stop Thief, when you think you know where the thief is, make the arrest. Here come the cops. I think you got him. Nine-volt battery not included. Stop Thief, an electronic cops and robbers game new from Parker Brothers. FM 100.3 and online on the TuneIn Radio app. Now, back to a guy who makes you feel really young, mostly because he's so old. It's BK on the air. Hey, 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 all right. There's no reason to say that. It's nice that a young person saying that to make the knife go in even deeper. <laughs> Wouldn't really sound right if someone said, hey, here's a guy that's really old. Well, actually, it would be better because it sounds like I'm older than the old man. So. Oh, there's my buddy Jack with his two uh, husky Jack. shepherd mixes, looks Jack like. going by the station. Yay, one dog's got his head out so. the window. Yeah, good old Jack. I saw a, a, a truck not too long ago that had uh, Koch 
freight on it on the on the trailer, and I sent him a, him and his wife a photo of it. I think on Facebook. I'm like, I know you guys own a trucking company. <laughs> we got it's so fun being here on Main Street in Carsville because we get people driving by or walking by saying, "Hey, how you doing? We're yep. listening to you online. You suck, <laughs> or you're great. Either way, I mean, if they say I'm bad or good, I don't care. I'll take either one I can get. <laughs> don't believe me, it's a it's nice to be here on a nice day to see everybody walking around. Look we were at the talking puppy. before. Before, and we see the dogs going by, too, the little doggy pups. Um, and the so babes. We're dog lovers, too. Yeah. Well, yeah, the babes. I've had less grief from dogs than women, so. I, I know. We're, we're paying actually, more I, can't, the I can't say that anymore, but that's another story. <laughs> that's right. Oh, that's right. I, I'll bring it up. You're not going to bring it up, but I think I'll bring it up right now. Uh, let's bring it up after Richard Donner. Yeah, let's, yeah. let's continue. <laughs> we got to continue. I've got to tell people something about Chance, which is cool. Uh, we were talking about our, our favorite Richard Donner directing, directed films because he passed away this week at 91. <laughs> nice long life, though. If I get into my 90s or 100 years old, I guess I'm going to feel great. But even then, I'm going to be like, no, I'm still not ready to die. <laughs> Everybody's like, how, how, uh, how long would you like to live? I'm like, and people would go, oh, maybe 90, maybe 95. I'm like, why so conservative? Why not say 150? How about forever? Answer as that question wherever you want. As long as possible. Put as my brain in I, an Android body. As long as I can still feel okay and not be immobile and can't move. Nothing would be worse than sitting there in a wheelchair and my brain is active but my body isn't. That would be, to me, that'd be hell. It's so sad. That'd I mean, it reminds bad. me of dear Christopher Reeve. Yeah, it's terrible. Talking about Superman, you're right. Yeah. We were talking about our top favorite Richard Donner directed movies. We all started with number five. Chance, you chose the toy with Richard Pryor and Jackie Gleason. Alan went with Maverick, uh, Maverick, which was uh, an homage back to the old uh, television series Maverick. And I forgot some, uh, something about Maverick that you may not have remembered. Did you know that in the later seasons of Maverick, I think after James Garner left, Roger Moore was on the Maverick as his as his cousin. I honestly did not know and that. And I'm like, can't believe Roger Moore was in a Western called Maverick. <laughs> and I don't think people liked it either. It didn't do very well after that. Uh, did I give my sh- I did. I gave mine as Lethal Weapon was my number five film. Number four, Chance. Scrooged. With Bill Murray Scrooge and Karen Allen. What, what a great retelling great of Christmas the uh, Christmas Carol. Yes. I like <laughs> it, it. It's a movie a lot of people forget to watch funny. at the holidays. Yeah. It is a, if you want a different version of, of the Christmas Carol, that's a great one to catch up on. And it still has all the meaning. Mm-hmm. All, everything's there. It's just in a modern day guy works at a TV station. It's kind of a setting. Which is ironic. They are, Which is the, if you want some of the traditional, they're actually putting that on as a live they show. It's part of it. So you still get Charles <laughs> yeah. Dickens folks dressed in the Victorian era while he's trying to produce it. I heard I heard a story about Scrooge that uh, Bill Murray and um, um, Carol Kane did not really get along on the set. Really? And when she, because you know she's always smacking him. In but the that film. was part of the bit. I know, but I heard her smacks were really hard, <laughs> and because she didn't like him, I'm like, okay, so those hits are real in there. They're not. Uh, they're not augmented. When he gets at like all. he wants to. Just kill her. Like, it's true. I heard it. It's really stop doing that. <laughs> Who knows? That could be a Hollywood legend. I don't know. It yeah. might be true. But your your number. My number four, four. is the Omen. The Omen. Wow. Yes. What that was my number there's, three. There's another movie that uh, changed kind of everything about certain horror genres mm-hmm. when it came out because that shocked that shocked everyone almost as much as The Exorcist did. Well, Exorcist what I like out. about it is it was different than The Exorcist and yet dealt with the same material. Right, and it's very understated. There's not everybody's like, "Oh, the omen is so violent." I'm like, "Not really. Not as much as you think it is. It's just all up here, psychological." So, yeah. And actually, the omen two, the sequel to that, was directed by Don Taylor, more of a, a TV director, which it was still good too. Was actually a little more violent than the first much, one. Yeah, was. guy got There's chopped in half in an elevator. In the elevator yeah. it was terrible. It was and the like woman hit by the semi after her eyes were plucked yeah. out by a crow. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't like how David Warner dies in in uh, yeah in that uh, the glass. Oh yeah, slides off of the uh, the truck. Yeah, yeah, and decapitates him. 
And the one guy and, played Doctor Who, uh, Patrick Troughton. He's the reverend, the, the preacher. That, Spike in the heart. Spike in the heart. From and the he, he died at a convention. He was one of the Doctor Who doctors. He died at the first Dragon Con I 1987 know, that, that I was at. Mm. But well, anyway, but not to be morbid, real quick. I thought he directed that child brilliantly. That's the most evil child performance Damien, I've ever seen yeah. in my life is Damien. Mm-hmm. He did. Especially when they're taking him to the church. Yeah. And he loses it and starts ripping, pulling her hair yeah. and screaming and everything. It was intense. And was on the crazy. tricycle and makes his mom fall off the banister and all that stuff. And that, at the zoo and ugh, making and the I animals think, freak out. And I think getting hold of Gregory Peck, who is a Hollywood legend and a great actor. Didn't hurt. Being part of that was <laughs> yeah. really good. So and he, was, he did a good job in that. Great soundtrack. Good anyway. Gregory Peck. Always loved his, his voice, the way he talked. Um, my number is this number four. Four. Number four. My number four is the toy. <laughs> and I think uh, because uh, I don't know why that movie gets no respect. I was like, oh, the toy was stupid. It wasn't funny. Well, it was. It was supposed to be stupid. It was a comedy, and it was. It was pitting Jackie Gleason against Richard Pryor. It's a perfect way to do it. Uh, has a little Scotty Schwartz as the kid in it who went on. To, who was in uh, Christmas Story. Mm-hmm. He's the kid that gets his. Tongue stuck to the pole in Christmas Story. And I've met Scotty Schwartz, too. He's a nice guy in, in, uh, in person, too. But uh, for me, the toy, I thought it was a, it was a I thought it was funny. It was a, it was a comedic fun. Can't sell it today, though. White no, kid owns a black it. man for no. a toy? Yeah, can't work. You could never watch that. But the, but that was part of the joke of the film. Everybody's like, well, the toy is a racist movie. No, it's not. Watch it. The, the, whole, the whole story is... That is wrong. It's anti-racism. <laughs> it's anti. That's it's, the it's message. Like, it's like blazing set. No one gets anything. We're just too Satire's sensitive. Satire's lost on the stupid. Just too sensitive now. It's crazy. <laughs> Can't even post a joke on Facebook anymore. They're like, this is incorrect. I'm like, that's not the point. Number three. Oh, you already said what your number three was, Chance. Yep. Already, we, which is the, the omen. omen. Which is the omen. So I mean, we can move on to Helen. Great my score. Number, By the way, Jerry Goldsmith won an Academy Award for that soundtrack. For my number three, and it's because it hit me when at the right age and has always hung with me, probably because of the score as well, but Superman, number three. Superman, number three. And again, to me and to a lot and of I mean, people. And I mean, Superman the movie, but I also understand right. his, his, thanks to you guys, I didn't realize how much he had, was involved with Superman 2. So. How much, how much, what percentage of Superman 2 did he finish? Like 70, 90% of it, 90%? I thought. Yeah, it was, it was a big percentage of it. So, yeah, you have we'll to go to capedwonder.com to find that out. That's a great website and the Caped Wonder podcast. Anyway, it's a Superman the Movie podcast, and he has rare photographs. He's a great follow on Instagram and Twitter. Jim Bowers, capedwonder.com. And you're, you just said number three. You just said number three. Mm-hmm. And now I'm supposed to say number three, which is The Omen. Mine is number three uh, because, to me, when I watched The Omen, I saw it as a kid, so it affected me. I'm like, oh, wow, that's uh, anything to do when I was a kid when it had something to do with religion satanic supernatural stuff that's that's something that you can't you can run away from fred uh, from jason you can run away from michael myers usually you can run away from leatherface they're all human beings sort of not freddy though but you, those are you know you can you can kind of get away from a shark if you try or maybe just not get in the water <laughs> but when it's the supernatural type thing you can't hide from that. Oh, I'm in a locked room. Well, it's in there, all right. You can't. You can't get away from Satan. He's in the room waiting for you. I mean, they can control other people. One of the creepiest parts of the Omen for me is the girl on the roof, mm-hmm. where she goes, "Damien, I'm and, doing and this for you." They're all at a party, and she says that, and they all oh, yeah. look up at her, and mm-hmm. she just jumps off and hangs herself in front of him, and they're all mortified. That's just chillingly weird. That's a very powerful scene. So uh, we're down to number two now, right? Number two, mm-hmm. Superman two. 
Superman two, the Donner cut, the Donner cut specifically, okay, which cool. was released in twenty oh six on DVD. Which Alan and now still see. We, you will see that. We'll make sure that you see it. It makes a huge one. difference because there's more Marlon Brando. Know, uh, yeah. You've played several pit bits for me that's in available on YouTube, stuff, but yeah. um, have not seen the movie. You finally see how Superman gets his powers back after he lost his powers, yeah, so he could make of... love with Lois Lane, mm-hmm. and that's important. <laughs> By the way, we need to know that. So yeah, uh, and your number. My number two. two is one that I know you, isn't on your list, but I because of the nostalgic factor, my wife and I love it. We showed it to our kids; they loved it. So it's a family thing. But the Goonies. You just talked about it. Yeah, th- th- I can see that. Yeah, and it, it, don't get me wrong; it's not a bad movie. It's just that I never, I don't know. And the Cindy Lauper song that was on it, you know, it got played on the radio, but it, but it was a huge success because. Many, many people are fans of that movie. And there's a there's a group of people. And just about every kid went on to go, become their own stars that was in did, that. yeah. Except uh, Short Round. Short Round, He yeah. just kind of had two movies, and that was about it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, but a lot of people come to Dragon Con and a lot of conventions dressed at all, as all those kids and as uh, the, the, the big guy with the, the, the weird-looking guy, too. They dress Lunk. as him, too. They've been, is, that, what, is that his name in the movie? Lunk. Lunk. Because they have Lunk <laughs> and Chunk, right? The kid's name is Chunk. <laughs> Chunk. Yeah. He's the other one that other one that didn't really make it beyond that movie. He no, didn't. But you know not what? really, but his meme is everywhere. He's yeah. unrecognizable. He doesn't even look. I mean, he really turned into a fairly decent looking guy. I think guy. he's a lawyer now, but he, he's a nice, nice guy. Yeah. It's could, it's still such a fun movie. and uh, you, He's a lawyer? Yeah. yeah. Could you imagine him being in the, in the, in the, in the courtroom and the judge, go, judge goes, I'm not going to rule on that until you do the, the chunk <laughs> shuffle right now in front of everybody in the courtroom. He's like, I'm not really overweight anymore. It doesn't really work that good, but I'll still do it here in the middle of the courtroom. Well, I guess we're going to click down to my number two. Uh, My number two is the same as your number two, Richard Donner's Superman 2, The Donner Cut. After I saw that, it really changed because we'd always heard about it. Oh, there's a Richard Donner version of Superman 2. They could put it together, and it'd be great because the footage is still out there in a vault somewhere in England. Somebody got a hold of it. They convinced him to want to do it. Michael Tao did. T-H-A-U. Yep. Great guy to, to be in charge of that, and they finally found... I mean, they went through pounds and pounds and canisters of film to find that thing. 35 millimeter negatives, yep. And it was crazy, but it wound up just blowing me away when I first saw it, because I'm like, this is Superman 2. This is not just a little different. This is a completely different movie now. And Margot really looked is. better in the first and the stuff that he directed for 2. She just did, to me, versus the stuff that Lester shot in 1979 to complete Superman 2. That's yeah, just me. And so she looks more, in the Donner Cut scenes of Superman 2, Donner Cut, why she looks more that? like she did in the first I movie. I why that is. She had dental surgery. There's a lot of reasons. Oh, really? we'll okay. Drugs. Well, I mean, there's, there's some a, reason. I mention that. Wow. But, yeah. Superman 2. Took a toll on her looks. The, the, yeah, the Donner Cut. So your number one film, big surprise. Superman the movie. <laughs> Superman the movie from Richard Donner, of course. Yeah, number one. Alan, your number one film. Mine is, now you've said Lethal Weapon, which is actually right. really good because you can't have the series without you're, it. You're going to pick well, a sequel, aren't you? My favorite is Lethal Weapon Lethal 2. Lethal Weapon 2, which a lot of people think is a little better. I yeah. think because once they established the characters, they kind of knew where to, go, where to go. And I think it's a much tighter story. I right. love Lethal Weapon 2. I could watch that by itself over and over and over again. So you're saying Lethal Weapon 2 is kind of sort of the Empire Strikes Back? It is. The, uh, it the is. it is, in some ways. Kind of I like nice. when they jump off the building. Oh, you want to jump? Let's go! That's in the first one. Yeah, well, in the first one. I'm right. just, yeah. Big surprise. I'll give all of y'all a guess what my favorite Richard Donner film is. You Superman may not get it. Think about it now. Okay, uh, you said it before. <laughs>
Dun, 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 dun. It is. It's the quintessential superhero movie. Uh, he did it back before they were even making them. Even Christopher Nolan interviews Richard Donner about his the two movies. And he goes, hey, if you hadn't got your Donner cut done, I would have never done, uh, they would have never done the Zack Snyder cut. DC would have never done that. So it's, it leads to a lot of stuff. Well, I'll forgo some of my time, too, for the... Richard Donner when we there come back. You brought home champagne. No, it's Martini and Rossi Asti Spumanti. It's imported champagne. It's imported Asti Spumanti. Mmm, it's delicious champagne. It's delicious Martini and Rossi Asti Spumanti. It's really delicious champagne. It's delicious Martini and Rossi Asti Spumanti. Martini and Rossi Asti Spumanti. Use Gritto, radio friends. The soap that gives your hands that dishpan look. How will the old man know you've been working if your hands don't have that dishpan look? Hmm? <laughs> Put a box of Gritto in a glass of water, then listen to it fizz. Remember, Gritto, spelled sideways, is Atrigger. Tell you I'm going to do it. All the talk that we do off the air, I'm going to make it a separate podcast because everything we say off the air is just kind of goofy and fun and uh, not for air, not for broadcast all the time. Well, we were talking about uh, director Richard Donner passing away, and we all counted down our favorite Richard Donner directed films. Now let's let's say up front that a director doesn't always can always be faulted for a movie being bad because he didn't write it, but a bad movie has a bad script can be well directed by a good director. So some of those might be the case. I got a clip here. Uh, Someone named Jordan Reef is interviewing Richard Donner. This is from a few years ago, and he's talking about Superman, which happens to be on all of our lists, just in a different spot, and even Superman 2, the director's uh, Richard Donner cut as well. He's talking about his guys asking him about Superman. You'll hear him talk about Christopher Reeve and the Saul Kinds, the producers. He even talks a little bit about um, the making of the movie and Marlon Brando, too. And you learn a lot by listening to him talk about uh, Superman. This is Richard Donner. I understand there's some mention in the uh, commentary that they wanted, they were looking at Paul Newman, Robert Redford, so, which sounds hilarious. To me. It is. Um, how, can you talk about some of the possibilities and, and how that was handled and how you managed to get the man you got? Well, um, that's, that was before I came on board. I see. They were preparing this film for two years. But when I came on board, I wanted an unknown because uh, I thought it would be pretty tough convincing an audience that to see Redford in a Superman suit flying. Not that he's not a great actor, but that it's, and I figured an unknown will, could make it work. So for me, it was um, pretty simple. The casting was tough, um, but it was pretty simple, the idea that somewhere out there, and when we met Chris Reeve, uh, you'd never think of him as Superman because he he was um, 20 some odd or 30 some odd pounds lighter than than he was when he played the role. And he had kind of a honey brown hair and everything. Uh, he was an actor, and he convinced me that Mr. he could Brando play Mr. board. And I understand Chris Reeve was dying to do a line with uh, with Mr. Brando. Talk about a little bit about that relationship. About. Oh, well, Chris Reeve was a very special, forgetting the fact he was an actor, he was really a special kid, special guy. I loved him. He was a very good friend, a very genuine, honest person. And, of course, as an actor... I was as starstruck working with Brando as, as anybody else, and Chris wanted to have, you know, a scene with Brando. And I 
I forget what it was. Well, we did some. I'm I'm known for putting people on and having laughs, and it usually loosens up a set and gets rid of tensions. And I, you know, I, I forget what we do with Chris. There was something that he had to do with Marlon. It was one line, and is it who am I? Right? Yeah, like, who am I or something? And and we told Marlon all about it, and um, I I think Marlon stopped. He looked at Chris. He said, "Is that that way you're going to read it?" And Chris went, "Why?" And of course, it was a put on. He put you on too, though, didn't he? In the first Brando? meeting, yeah, when you guys went to talk about the character. Oh yeah, when oh yeah. That's long. That's long. That I was warned. Brando was tough, and his toughness was simple. That if he convinced me that he didn't have to be in the movie, but he would be paid for it anyway, mm-hmm. he would. That's the way he liked to work. And I was a wonderful man named Jay Cantor, who was um, a, a wonderful producer and a studio exec and. Ran a uh, ran a big agency after, but he was Brando's agent. He warned me of this, and then then uh, Coppola told me. Also warned me. He said, uh, "Marlon, uh, uh, love to talk," and he said, "He's very bright, and if you really listen, if there's anything adversarial, he'll talk himself out of it." Mm-hmm. And so between Jay's advice and Marlon's advice uh, and uh, Francis's, I, I was pretty much prepared for, but. When the time came, he threw me even. He was he was brilliant. He could really, if he could convince you that his character could be a green suitcase or a bagel, and you would photograph that bagel, he wouldn't have to come to work. But he would come in for the voiceover somewhere at his pleasure. But it ended up a delightful guy. Wonderful, very funny, very bright, very witty, very well read. Delight to work How with difficult was it to get the Salkinds? Sorry? How difficult was it to get the Salkinds to agree? And, and in the uh, extra features, the, the, cast, the Ilya Salkind. Salkind. I know the name. <laughs> uh, look, at a given point, um, they, they, I was making a different movie than they they wanted to, so we didn't get along that well. And it, it, you just kind of persevered. When, when did that relationship begin to go south? Was there a point during production or pre-production where that relationship with the South Pines began to go south? Yeah. Was it a pivotal thing or was it a kind of slow progression? No, it was kind of obvious from them. I think think Ilya wanted to make a movie. I think his father and everybody involved that they had brought in production-wise, I mean, they uh, they wanted to make a movie, but they wanted to save every single penny they could and not spend it. Um... And you don't make a movie of that sort at that time, pre-computers. I mean, either where we had to have the money to to do things. So, in the very beginning, the fallout started with what I wanted to do, and I would find they had production guys that I would say I would in pre-production have something organized, then I'd go to do it, and it was changed, and I would go ballistic that they had changed it without my knowing, and uh, so that. It kind of started at the beginning. You know. The commentary is a constant referral to you smashing. <laughs> I, I assume those are some of those phone calls, perhaps. Well, the, the, you know, it, it was just it was always a handy thing around. I, and I'm not a, uh, I'm anything but a temperamental guy. And uh, but I used to, I never, I was ready to walk out so many times. I can't tell you. I just, and but I couldn't, I couldn't abandon it. Um, um, but uh, it was tough. It was tough. Yeah, there. Were, the phones took the phones took the penalty of my uh, my temperament. I, a lot of them hit the walls. Talk about the uh, how he would 
he was known for throwing the phone down or slamming the phone mm-hmm. up when he was off a phone call. You know, and back then in the seventies, even in the fifties and sixties, you and we all remember it well. Phones were indestructible back in the day. I mean, you could throw a phone off a roof back in the sixties and seventies, and it was made out of stuff where it yeah, would barely we've even lost, scratch it. We've lost the ability for the dramatic hang up when you were really, really yeah. angry, the slamming it in the cradle. You can only disconnect from your digital phone one way. It's like, oh yeah, click. Well. I guess he must have. Oh, oh, d- 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 dead d- cell. It doesn't even come across. You're like, oh, I guess his signal was bad. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't even have the same. And there's a word cell. that Richard Donner loved, <laughs> and it was a na- it's a noun, verisimilitude, and that means the appearance of being true or real. And he had a big banner yeah. of a drawn Superman with the word verisimilitude. Verisimilitude. That's yeah, what it stands for. Yeah, the verisimilitude is... Do you get do you get the idea too from listening to him talk that he's re- he he really is he doesn't have a really over bad temperament I mean he sounds like and everyone no, that's ever talked it sounds about like him. he hates back. talking about the fact that he got yeah. driven to that kind of level like yeah. why did you put me yeah I don't like that yeah and the interview actually goes on a little longer and the guy asks him he goes do you, if Superman's ever on he's he's well, first he asked do you ever watch it mm-hmm. and he's just one of those people and I guess we'd be different if we were big Hollywood directors we wouldn't always want to go back and watch what we directed but he goes no I don't really want to go back and watch it he goes. Well, if he goes, but you know what? If I, if I'm in the middle of the, like, if I'm staying somewhere in a hotel or something, I'm flipping channels and it's on, and I'll stop for a minute and go, oh yeah, I remember when we were doing that. That's interesting. And it goes, well, do you do you dwell on all the mistakes? Do you watch it and just cringe and say I could have been done so much things better? He's like, not really. He goes, all that all that's in the past. I've, I always let that go. When I'm done with the film, I don't think about that because I just can't let myself be pulled down into that. And his TV work. Oh, we did the best we could with what we had. So TV, work TV work was great. Yeah, what, the Twilight Zone episodes, 12 yeah. O'Clock High. The Fugitive, he directed uh, Kurt Russell in The Fugitive. Oh, just I could go on and on. Even, did I say Gilligan's Island? No, we did Gilligan's Three, Island. Yes. First season of Gilligan's Island. That's right, he did. Ah, what a great director. He will be missed. Rest in peace, Richard Donner. And another, uh, he used John Williams for the music in uh, Superman. Uh, John Williams scored a lot of Gilligan's Island episodes in the first season, too. So the, all these guys kind of knew each other, I guess. Comes full circle. Yeah. So Richard Donner, if you're not familiar with his work other than Superman, check him out. He's got a big catalog of work and a legendary director, and he will be missed. Rest in peace, Richard Donner. We'll be back. I'm Earl Scheib. I'll paint any car for just $99.95. This week only, you'll get polyurethane additive free. A $19.95 value absolutely free. With polyurethane, your paint job will have an extra hard glass-like finish and added durability. Your paint job will be guaranteed not to fade for four full years. Remember, free polyurethane this week only at Earl Scheib's. Right. I'll paint any car for just $99.95. Podcast Magazine presents The Hot 50 Countdown. Hi, it's Rob Actis, host of the Podcast Magazine Hot 50 Countdown. Join me as I count them down from 50 to number one, the top 50 podcasts in the land as determined by you, the podcast fans. From true crime, society and culture, self-help, health and fitness, science, and every podcast category in between. The Hot 50 Countdown is here. And don't forget to vote for BK on the Air as one of your favorite podcasts at podcastmagazine.com. Hey, we're back. It's BK on the Air. Let's go over to Chance Martell's and find 
find out what's going on with a little snapshot vintage nostalgic snapshot in the past. What do you got for us today, Chance? Thank you, Barry. Well, today, back in 1989, the great Mel Blanc passed away. He was born Melvin Jerome Blank on Saturday, May 30th, 1908, in San Francisco, California. Mel was an American voice actor and radio personality. Wasn't he, though? That's an understatement, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. After beginning his over 60-year career performing in radio, he became known for his work in animation as the voices of Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Porky Pig, and most of the other characters from the Looney Tunes, Merry Melodies, theatrical cartoons during the golden age of American animation. He later voiced characters for Hanna-Barbera's television cartoons, including Barney Rubble on the Flintstones, Mr. Spacely on the Jetsons during the golden age of radio. Blanc also frequently performed on the great comedian programs like the Jack Benny Show, Abbott and Costello, Burns and Allen, and Judy Canova. Blanc was nicknamed the man of a thousand voices. And of course, he was Twiggy on one of your favorite shows, Barry King, Buck Rogers in the 25th Century. Hiya, Buck. Who could forget that? <laughs> and, they, and, he, and they got rid of him and brought another guy in, and they screamed at, no, bring Mel Blanc back. And they did. That's for right. Season two. So he passed away on Monday, July 10th, 1989, in Los Angeles, California. May Mel continue to rest in peace. Happy 49th birthday to Sofia Vergara, whom I met on oh, the set yeah. of The Three Stooges in 2011. That was her first <laughs> leading role in a major yeah. film. Let's think about her for a second. Hold on. Okay. Okay. Hold yeah. On. No, no. <laughs> she was My born, ice cream just melted. Born Sofia. Maga- you didn't even have any. <laughs> I know. My ice cream just melted. Oh, my Lord. Uh, born Sofia Margarita Vergara in Colombia on Monday, July 10th, 1972. And also, of course, she was a star in the ABC TV hit sitcom Modern Family for 11 seasons portraying Gloria from mm. September 23rd, 2009 to April 8th, 2020. Oh, An yeah. interesting and sad fact about Sofia Vergara is that in 1998, her older brother Rafael was murdered during an attempt to kidnap him. Not wanting to be caught in the unrest that resulted in his murder, Vergara immigrated to the United States, settling in Miami, Florida. So happy birthday, happy 49th birthday to you. The old nostalgic expression or word of the week is yin and yang. And the internet BS of the week, I defer to your story about how you were censored, Barry. (laughs) Oh, the bot thing? Yeah. That was BS, I'm telling you. Snack of the week, bugles, corn-flavored, carb-infused treats. Bugles are similar to a junk food snack of the past that I loved. Remember this one? Betty Crocker made a treat called Pop Secret Pop Chips in the mid-1990s. The concept was popcorn in the form of a chip, branded as the chip made with popcorn butter. And you, Less you mess in your hands. If you didn't put bugles on your hands as a claw and, and at one point, you know, <laughs> that way you were eating them incorrectly. That's right. That's, right. I wish they'd bring them back. There's other knockoffs that exist to this day, but nothing as good and as that. And being a Star Trek fan, I always thought they looked like little doomsday machines. They do. <laughs> the bugles. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, the little yeah. bugles. Do. And so bugles are a good facsimile <laughs> of the pop chip. Uh, no pet peeve of the week because we're running out of time. Hey, real quick. Shall we play a game? It's time for taglines. These are toy taglines. I'll do this quickly. Here's a tagline for you, gentlemen. It's mean. It's the hottest ride in town for guys 8, 9, and 10 who really know how to ride. Is that the big green machine? The green machine by Huffy. There you go. It was the big wheels uh, competitor. That's right. Number two, it's a new toy every day. It's a new toy every day. Is that Tinker Toy? Blocks. Uh, I'll give you a hint. Blocks. Blo- yeah, yeah. Uh, was it the Lego uh, Lincoln Logs? Lincoln Logs. Legos. Lego. Legos. Oh, Legos. Okay. Duh. That's uh, number three. Yeah. We sell more cars than Ford, Chrysler, Chevrolet, and Buick combined. Oh, Hot Wheels. Hot Wheels or Matchbox. Matchbox. Match Box. toy cards by Mattel. They both are owned by the same, same company, company now. Yeah. And they debuted July 9th, 1953. I was more of a Matchbox guy when I was a kid for some reason. They debuted July 9th, 1953. <laughs> number four. A nice, ruthless, mon- money-hungry family game. 
Uh, oh, Monopoly. Monopoly, Monopoly by yeah. Parker Brothers, introduced in 1935, absorbed teaches, by Hasbro in 1991. how to live life. And I it also brings out the worst in people. That's right. And, and the cool thing about Monopoly is... Especially der- if you're winning. <laughs> it was derived from the Landlord's Game, created by Lizzie Maggie in the United States in 1903. Wow. Number five, it's something to do with your brain. Something to do with your brain. Trivial Pursuit? Trivial Pursuit. That's what, was That's what I would think. It's Nintendo's uh, Game Boy. All right, number six. Know, okay. Who walks the stairs without a care? And shoots Slinky. So high in the sky. Uh, Slinky. Yes, Slinky. It's Slinky. It's Slinky. It's fun for a girl or a boy. That's right. One's not plastic one. And it was developed by American naval engineer Richard T. James in 1943. Who took apart his box springs and went, hey. No, actually, it. it was the thing no, to shave down That's some metal parts. It and yeah, it would yeah. coil, and he realized, yeah. oh, my gosh, they still have spring in them. I knew he found it by accident. It was by accident. Like the Frisbee. And the Slinky was first demonstrated at Gimbel's department store in Philadelphia, November 1945. And the toy was a hit, selling entire inventory of 400 units in 90 minutes. Okay, number seven, live in your world, play in ours. Live in your world, but play in ours. We're running out of time. Sunny PlayStation. Okay. Oh, PlayStation. So video games. Okay. N- number nine, my name is blank. Think fast. Uh, my name is... Uh, my it's name a battery-operated is... toy. Oh, is Teddy it Teddy Ruxpin? Ruxpin? Simon. Oh, Simon. Simon. Okay. My name is blank. Think fast. My name is Simon. And that was introduced by Milton Teddy Bradley. Teddy was slow. Why did we say that? <laughs> Milton Bradley in 1978, now Hasbro. Number 10, fun to play with, not to eat. Oh, oh. that could be anything. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Uh, fun to play with, not to eat. Play-Doh. That's it, by Play-Doh, Hasbro. Yeah. Hey, and mo- who says it's not fun to eat? That's a matter of opinion. Well, <laughs> hey, most sets are now discontinued due to lawsuits. Oh, really? Okay, There's well, nothing, no personal responsibility It didn't anymore. hurt me any. I eat quite a bit of it. So. And the last one, <laughs> bounces, molds, stretches, snaps, and That'd more. That'd be Silly Putty. That silly is putty. by Crayola. Silly Putty. Silly Putty. Happy weekend, everybody. Now back to BK. Awesome. Let's do it on this day in history. I can't get to all these because we're running out of time today because uh, Chance took way too long. And <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm joking. He gets so worried. I'm just joking. I'm kidding. He's like, oh, why did you say that? Let's do some movie releases today on this day in history. July the 10th. Today in 1981, 40 years ago, John Carpenter's Escape from New York opened on this day. Fantastic John Carpenter movie. What else have I got on here? Uh, on this day in 1985, Coca-Cola announced it will resume selling old Coke after their debacle of new Coke. Replacing the sugar with fructose, Remember high fructose. Remember that well, don't we? Yeah, that was a big problem. Syrup. Ugh. Another uh, movie opening on this day in July the 10th, 1985, 1985. Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome premiered on this day. The third Mad Max film. In the Not a horrible movie, but certainly no. ranks the last in my mind. It is. To me, it's kind of like the return of the Jedi of the three. It's like really, really uh, not great, but it's still fun to watch. I still watch it. I mean, mm-hmm. When I watch them, I want to watch them all. The fight in the pit is probably one of the best parts, where he yeah. fights the guy in the cage. Well, you know, I told you this. I didn't know this until later. He wanted to do his own version of Lord of the Flies. And then somebody said, why don't you just do it in the Mad Max world you've already created? So that's why there's so much of the kids. He was thinking he was going to do his own Lord of the Flies movie. And I also think that it suffers because uh, I think I read that George Miller suffered a personal tragedy during that. And he doesn't direct all of Mad Max. He's co-directed by somebody else. So that may have been the reason. Oh, wow. Talking about Richard Donner. Today on this day in history, 1998, Lethal Weapon 4 premiered on this day in history. Brought us Jet Lee. Birthdays today. It's Nikola Tesla's birthday today. Very good. Died in 1943. You'd buy one of his cars, wouldn't you? I'd buy a Tesla if I had the money. Uh, Today is Earl Hamner Jr.'s birthday. He's the American creator and the narrator of the TV show The Waltons. He died in 2016. And uh, here recently, Chance just uh, rebroadcasted his Munsters vs. Adams family on the Nostalgic Podblast. Where you take, uh, what do you do? You take old radio uh, shows that you guys did, didn't save, and now you're archiving them on uh, on YouTube. YouTube right? Live Thursday nights at 10 Atlanta time. The one that you just did is the Monsters versus the Adams Family. Today is Fred 
celebrated Gwen's <laughs> birthday today. <laughs> Car 54, where are you, Monsters? He's also in, I forgot, Pet Cemetery and um, um, My Cousin Vinny as the judge. This is the last couple of roles that he did. He died in 93. Today is Chris Pine's dad's birthday, Robert Pine from Chips. It's his birthday today. And the more the older Chris Pine gets, the more he looks like a... Uh, his dad, Robert. He and really looks his like son, Chris, he's in everything. Every now movie. he is, yeah. He's Captain Kirk. And uh, today is Greg Kinn's birthday today of the Greg Kinn Band. Remember the Greg Kinn Band? Our love's in jeopardy, baby. Jeopardy and uh, Mellow Yellow. Of course. There's a song called Mellow Yellow to the Rescue or something like that. Yeah, his birthday day. I remember him in the 80s. Today is National Kitten Day, which to me is <laughs> to me is uh, Saturday. <laughs> Uh, I don't mind cats, but I'm allergic to them, and they're nowhere near the quality of dogs as a pet. Now, with all the cat lovers uh, killing me now, that's fine. Cats cats hold things against you. Dogs won't do that. Yes. Usually, as a, as a rule. Today is National Pina Colada Day today. You can celebrate that if you wanted to later. Do well, you like Pina Colada? I, I like did the back song. when I drank them, I did. <laughs> I always drank the drinks that like tasted really good. Taking like walks in the rain? Stuff. <laughs> uh, I'm not into health food, <laughs> but and I don't like champagne either. Uh-huh. So you're right. No, uh, today is National Clear Hue Day. You ever heard of that? National Clear Hue Day. No, celebrates a poem style created by Edmund Clare Hugh Bentley. It's a four line biographical poem. Offers a brief through through all the whimsical approach to poetry. Here's a Clear Hue poetry poet poem. Sir Humphrey Davy abominated gravy. He lived in the odium. Of having, of having discovered sodium. As with most poetry, the clarihue is defined by a set of rules. It must include four lines, contain rhyming couplets of AA and BB, include a person's name in the first title of the line, say something about the person, and be humorous. It's meant to be a funny poem, of course. That's what a clarihue is. And I didn't know that. When I, I saw didn't that, know that either. I learned something. I did, just now. Fun fact. I'm still I was, able to teach this I was old this dog. many years old when I learned that. Which I want to sneak this in, guys, before we run out of time. Are you sneaking something? We were talking about Loki sneaking? earlier in the show, Episode 5, Journey the Mystery. At the very end, there's a cliffhanger. You see a castle. Yeah, I want to let you know what that is. What, what, you, what I think you think it is. That is the castle of dr doom in latvia which is the fictional town that he's the ruler of i'm i swear I, that's what i think this is all about i've thought that from episode one when i saw the time portals it's okay. just like it was drawn in 1962 in his now first appearance in fantastic four issue five if it's not you want to buy us like breakfast or something one day if you lose the bet no i'm not gonna bet with you because that's i'll go along with I mean, you. no no make them buy donuts think, at well, least all right I'll, <laughs> d- done I, i'm telling you it's dr doom it's how marvel's going to segue into phase three they're the really Fantastic getting ready four. to segue into something because they've got a new phase four on their on it's gonna be at phase four so that's gonna be uh, dr doom had a time travel machine so it all fits that's his castle. Great I'm telling Scott, you. he did. Yes, but I'm just wondering how that's how that ties to the TVA, and I'm waiting right. for the final episode because I don't right. know enough of the backstory of the comics. But for someone who doesn't, yeah, and it's it's great so amazing to yeah. watch. And what's funny is they may turn everything upside down and reveal something that isn't part of the comics, but only part of the Marvel MCU universe. But make it their own thing. So it's great. Guys, it's been fun. It's come to another close of BK on there. I'm going to get out of here and probably go home and take a nap for about 12 hours, <laughs> one way or the other. I'll try to do better next week, I'm, I promise. But thank you all for being here every Saturday. It's a blast being on with both you guys. Check out Chance this weekend with a Nostalgic Pod Blast. Check out his group, Nostalgic Pod Blast, on Facebook. He's on every Sunday. We're kind of bookends. It's BK on there. We'll see you next week. Everybody quiet down now and get some sleep. Night, everybody. Good night, everyone. Good night, Mama. Good night, Daddy. Good night, children. Good night, Daddy. Good night, Elizabeth. Good night, Jimbo. Good night, John Boy. <laughs>